Thank you for that, ladies. I know we're starting later than we normally, normally do, and I'll try to go quick this morning. I do want to thank you for being here, and I do wish you have a great Mother's Day. I want to hit a different subject, but mothers, I hope you have a great, great day, and I think I hope you understand how important that you are. You know, um, there's something great about getting something brand new, right? Uh, you ever, you, they have these things on YouTube when, when a new product comes out, unboxings. How many of you ever saw that? Some guy gets on there, and here's how you open it up, and you pull it out, and here's what it's looked like. And it's like, well, that's, that, that's, that's nice. Everybody wants to see what it looks like. Have you ever bought a new car? You get that new car smell. I mean, you pull that thing out, and it's like, oh, you know, especially if you have leather seats. And uh, we'll see how long it lasts. But everybody, like, you get in the car, and it's like, all right, no one touches anything. When you sit in the seat, you got to hover, no foods, no drink, don't touch anything with your fingers, and don't breathe on the windows, okay? Just stay away from all of it. We're going to keep this car new forever. Think about a couple that just gets married. Oh, man, everything is wonderful. Now, I say that. It's like after you're married, it's not wonderful anymore. I'm not saying that, okay? But you know that, that new married, I was going to say... Yeah, that new married thing, and, and you're just, you can't wait to introduce, this is my, you know, husband, if it's a husband, or this is my wife, if it's a wife, but uh, you're just excited, you just can't wait to let everybody know. But the problem with that is, newness wears off. Think of that, that new little thing that gets unboxed, pretty soon it's got scratches and dents. I don't understand in our family. I try to take care of my technology. Our kids will just leave their laptops laying out. We have grandkids over all the time. And I'm like, I, I take care of it. But, you know, it gets all scratched up. You get that new car and no one can touch it. Next thing you know, you're, you're letting our bus ministry pick up 30 kids in that car. And then you, you get married and you start, to, you start that new spouse you had and you just couldn't wait. It's kind of like, you know, okay, we're kind of used to this thing. Not saying that that's right. We're going to look at that this morning, how we, how we can lose the, the sense of that first, that, that, that newness, that, that first love, as it were, which we'll look at in a minute. When we think about the book of Revelation, we think typically about the future, the book of Revelation about the future. What the book of Revelation really is about revealing Jesus Christ to this world. That's what it means um, and it does talk about the future. It's a heavy book about the future. Uh, it talks about the, but, but, it, but it's written to and talks much about church as well, especially in those beginning chapters. I always, I always love when people say, well, you know, I'm not in the church, I'm in the Jesus. And that's great, but Jesus was into the churches and the local assemblies as well. It's all throughout the Bible. If you look at Revelation chapter 1, it talks about the main person, Jesus Christ. And it talks about who he is and how wonderful he is. And then you get to chapter 2 and 3. It's a message to specific churches, but it's a message also to all of the churches as we look at them. We're going to take a brief look this morning at a specific aspect of that first ch church that he wrote to. It was the church at Ephesus. They had a very rich, rich history. The founding of the church, the beginning of the church is mentioned in Acts chapter number 18. It was started by Paul, and they, some believe that, that uh, Timothy pastored it, and also John, who wrote Revelation, as well. As we get into it, we understand that that was a place of, of, the, of the, um, the worship in the temple of Diana, and uh, it was not a good place to be. The worship of Diana involved 
temple prostitution, and I'll just leave it at that. You can imagine what was going on in that city if that was their religion. Despite being in a city that, that was that dark and really had that much evil and sin going on, this was a really good church. They had a lot of good qualities. We, it tells us in our chapter that they labored for Christ. In verse 2 it says, I know thy works and thy labor. In verse 3, and it says, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake has labored. They were willing to get to work for the Lord Jesus Christ and for his honor and for his glory. It also tells us that they endured for Christ. In verse 2 and 3, it mentions that they had patience. In other words, uh, you can imagine the upheaval that they had being in a city that wicked and trying to uplift the Lord Jesus Christ with all of that idolatry. We see some of that as you look through the, the, the book of Acts, uh, specifically when it's talking about Ephesus. But yet in the midst of that, they endured and they had patience and they went on even with persecution. They stood for Christ. Verse 2 tells us, And how thou canst not bear them which were evil. As always, people would try to infiltrate the church and to ruin the church and bring into the church that which it shouldn't have and they weren't having it they stood for Christ if it wasn't the right thing to do they weren't going to do it and they weren't going to allow it they had the right belief systems verse 2 it says and thou hast tried them which say they're apostles and are not and hast found them liars and then in verse 6 they hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans I, go, I can go into that but it was a wrong way of, of, of worshiping the Lord and running the church and, and they didn't want to do that they wanted to follow the Bible and believe like the Lord Jesus Christ and then I like that they were focused on Christ it says in verse 3 and for my name's sake thou hast labored they knew who they were laboring for they had all these good things going for them. By the way, a lot of those things can be said about a lot of people I know. I know a lot of good Christians that try to incorporate many of these types of, of qualities into their life. They're willing to work for the Lord Jesus. They love the Lord Jesus. They're very patient in all these different things. But in the midst of this church that had all these good things going for it, they had one issue. Look at verse 4. There was one thing they did not get right. It says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Could you imagine when they got that message, and they heard the first three verses, and it talked about how wonderful and all the good things they do, and then it says, but there's one thing you, you got wrong. You've left your first love. You don't love me like you used to. Heard a story about a man, his wife came up and said, honey, you don't love me like you used to. When we first got married, you told me you loved, so much, loved me so much you could just eat me up. And he said, I've lost my appetite. Okay. If we're not careful, that happens. Not just in a marriage, but it happens in a lot of relationships. We have that love and we have that desire and then we, we lose it. We let it get away from us. That's what happens. I like the word here. It's, he didn't, well, you, we, I'll probably end up using the word lo lost and, and when I'm talking about this as I go on. But they didn't lose their first love as much as they left it. The reason they lost their first love is because they went away from it. They lost it. By the way, that's no accident. That's a product of neglect. Let's go back to the marriage illustration. Here's a, two people, they get married and they're, they're in love and the relationship is going forward and they're building that relationship. And years later, that relationship is nothing like it was in the early days. 
that's because there was probably some neglect going on. That's probably because they didn't do some things to protect that love. It's very easy to lose that. It's very easy to leave that. But God does not want us to leave that. So what do we do? Well, despite the fact that this church had a lot of good things going on it, they lost their love. Let me just share a few thoughts. How do we lose our love for God? I'm talking maybe today to some people that maybe your relationship with God at one time was better than it was better than it is now. Or maybe some of you, as I mentioned some of these things, you've never had this type of, of love or relationship and you need to, to get to that. The goal for our lives should be this, when it comes to our love for God and our love for everything about God, we ought to have that first love and we ought to keep it forever. We should not let it get away from us. I want to give you some areas here where we ought to make sure that we keep our first love. That, 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 you know, when you get married, there's that honeymoon type of love. It's the excitement that everything is new and all this, and I got a new wife, and, and we're living together, and we got all these things, and it's so exciting. And, and look, 30, 30 years down the road, not even 30, 30 months down the road, that you don't have that same kind of first love excitement, but you ought to have a love that's far deeper than anything you had at the beginning. And the actions ought to be the same. So how do we do that? What are some areas we need to, as Christians, we need to make sure that we don't lose it? I think we ought to have a first love for our devotions. Let me give you a couple of verses. Psalm chapter 1 and verse 2 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Jeremiah 15, 16 says, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me as the joy and rejoicing of thine heart. Do you see, when you get saved, you are brought into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and the goal of that relationship is for that to be a loving, strong, lifelong relationship. And we learn primarily about God and that one of the key dynamics of that relationship with God is our relationship to his word. That is how God speaks to us. And like any other relationship in life, it must be cultivated. And it must be maintained. Let me ask you this. Do you have a love for and a devotion for the scripture? Was there a time in your life when you love it more than you love it now? One of the first things as I walked into church as a, as a, as a 17, 18-year-old and, and everything was new to me, I decided that I wanted to get in on the Bible. I wanted to learn the Bible and, and, and I didn't really have a Bible. The first Bible I ever read was a comic Bible. It was literally a Bible with comics. Now, there wasn't much depth to it, but I liked the pictures. And that was about where my reading level was. But as I got, went to church, I'm like, this is a big deal. And I went and I, I bought me a nice Bible and I started reading that thing. And I just, I just, couldn't, I just couldn't help it. I, I'd bring a pen and I'd bring a, 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 a highlighter to church. And, and as, he, as he was preaching and as I'm reading the scripture with him, I just make note, write things down. I wanted to know everything. I would take notes and I'd go home and I'd transfer it to this notebook. It was a little bit antiquated back then. But, but I was just, I wanted to learn things. I go there and the pastor would get up and say, you know, well, open your Bibles to this book of the Bible. And I'm like, wow, I've never heard a message from that book of the Bible. I can't wait. 
And I just, I was excited about everything he would do. He would say, he, you know, I, I, I mentioned this before and was kind of ignorant. Any verse he referenced, I would, I would make note of it and I'd go home and I'd make sure I highlight it. And I'm like, now why am I doing that? Pretty soon I'm going to highlight the whole Bible. And now I got to get a new one. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, why do we do that in the first place? And I'm like, well, oh, I'll highlight the verses that speak to me. By the way, I have that first Bible. It's in my office and it's, it's beat to a pulp. It's all falling apart, and I can't even take it out, and I take it out and look at it sometimes, but I have to be careful. It is literally falling apart. But you know, what's pro- you know what the problem is? The longer we read it, the more we get used to it. I've heard messages over, the- I've heard so many messages over the years. Someone can get up, and they're like, open your Bible to this text, and I guarantee you, I've heard a message from that text. I have. I- I've heard, I- all- but you know what? I'm still excited about it. Because God's word speaks every time. Do you have that love? Are you just excited about the scripture as you once were? Or have you ever been excited about it? So we need a first love for devotion. Secondly, we need a first love for church. I love the verse in Psalms chapter 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hebrews tells us that we're not supposed to forsake the assembling of our church together. Early on, I understood the importance of being in the house of God. I didn't know anything about Christianity. I really didn't. I was was seriously ignorant. When I started going to church after I was saved, before, before that, I had only been to church probably less than the number of fingers on my hand. I knew nothing about church. As, as, a, as, a, as a boy growing up, I remember uh, I thought about heaven. I had no, no clue to get there. Somebody told me, well, you have to at least go to he- church one time to go to heaven. Now, by the way, that's a lie. But I just thought, okay, I don't have that box checked off. And I remember we were, you know, we weren't saved at all, trust me. We were troublemakers. But if I was walking somewhere with my friends, if I remember the church over on Cherry Avenue. There was a church like five blocks down. And whenever we would walk past that church, I made sure I didn't cuss as long as I was in front of it. I thought, I thought like, man, I am not cussing. Like, you know, real quiet. And then once we got to the corner, it was on. Okay, it's just, I didn't, I didn't church, it's a big deal. But I had no, I was ignorance. But I wanted to learn. So one of the things I did right away, I said, I'm just going to go to all the church services. It was a new experience for me, but you know what? I loved it. And, and I was, maybe I just was new at it, and I go to church, and it was just something about being there in that building. But Jerry, you remember the old Gethsemane building. It was that old, typical church style with the, the A-frame there, just walking up to it like, this is church. I didn't know anything. I just thought, and I walk in, it was almost like, okay, there's something different. There's just something different about that place. And there was something different about the people. I just like being around the church people. Now, I was nothing like they were, nothing at all. But I love being there. And the encouragement I received by being there. It got to the point where, where, where I hated missing the services. The whole time, I was only there for a year before I went to Bible college. I only missed one service. I had the flu. And I'm like, I don't want to miss a service. My mom went. And so uh, I stayed home, and I was sick, and she came home. I'm like, what was the message about? Now, I was ignorant at that time. And she said, Pastor Black didn't preach. They had a missionary. Now, I was dumb. I'm like, oh, good, I didn't miss anything. (laughs) Now, I have a different respect now for missionaries. I I figured it out. But I just didn't want to miss it. By the way, church is a big deal. 
All of us need church. And I've been in church ever since then. I started when I was 17 and until this today, it's at least 20 years. <laughs> Catch up, let's go. Okay, I don't have time for this this morning. But I love church. It's a big deal to us. Do you know in Acts chapter 2, everybody that got saved, they immediately were baptized and joined the church, the believers at Jerusalem? The Bible tells us that Jesus died for the church and he sacrificed for the church. Amen. A big portion of the Old Te New Testament, and not just the epistles, I'm talking about even the book of Revelation, they were written to specific churches at that time. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ said upon this rock, re referencing himself, that he would build his church. The Bible tells us that the church will, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. By the way, that doesn't mean the church attacks us and they can't win. The gates of hell are for defense. We attack, we attack Satan when we are out doing God's work and his gates will not be able to stop us. The book of Acts tells us the difference that can be made in this world through the church. And just let me ask you a question. Have you lost your love for church? Have you ever had a love? Because if you do, you'll be faithful. You'll want to be as, as many services as you can. You will want to be involved in the church. And one of the biggest things, you'll want to park at Blue Line. <laughs> just thought I'd throw that in. We need some people over there. We're running out of parking space. Number three, do we have a first love for standing? For standing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 and 14. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand uh, in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt with the truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And I won't go through that. But that whole armor of God is for one reason, so we can stand. Yep. Now, why do people stand? Because they are representing and willing to fight for something that they love. Our country is divided. I, but I guarantee if there was a war, that might change some things. I hope it would. Used to be in the past that when we, when we went to war, everybody couldn't wait to jump in. You know why? This is our country. And we're gonna, we love this country and we're going to stand for it. It's not perfect. I understand all that. But the reason we do it, this is where we live. This is who we are. And we want everybody to know whose side we are on. If you're saved, do you want people to know that you're a Christian? Yeah. That was, when, I, when I got right with God, I just really knew it. Like, I want them to know. I, I, I didn't have a car. I had a, I had a motorcycle. So I went and, I don't know, I, you know, I, I kind of get on bumper sticker Christians. But I got all these stickers and put them on my car, on my, on my motorcycle. Right? And uh, I didn't wear a helmet. You didn't have to in those days, thankfully. Um, but it's probably a good idea now. I just, I want everybody to know. Everywhere I went, I tell people I was Christians. I used to work for my dad. I mentioned their Sunday school, and, and I worked back there, and there was bikers, and they used to get on me because bikers would get on me because I cussed too much. Bikers. That bothered me. I'm like, how dare they? And I'm like, well, they're right, but still. And, and, and then I went back to work for my dad, and they're like, what's wrong with you? There's something different about you. I'm like, I'm saved. I, I'm a Christian now. I, I don't do those things. I wanted everybody to know. Do you want everybody to know? I remember my dad, and, and I tried to witness to him, and he wasn't a Christian. I remember he, he, he came to me one day and says, uh, he, he, the phone rang, and he goes, hey, hey, uh, uh, that's going to be so-and-so. Answer the phone. If it's so-and-so, tell him I'm not here. And I'm like, um, I can't. He goes, what do you mean you can't? I'm like, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to lie. He goes, oh, come on. I'm like, 
Dad, I, I'm not going to lie. He goes, fine, don't answer it at all. I'm like, okay, I can do that. That's no problem. But I didn't want my dad to know I was a Christian and then lie on the phone for him. Now, he didn't like it at that time, but I guarantee you, he respected it. But I just wanted to know everybody to know I'm a Christian. This is who I am. I wanted to stand. My old friends, I wanted them to know I was saved, and I did. I wasn't rude about it. I wasn't mean about it. But when I saw them, I let them know who I was. I got a first love also for witnessing. Like, the, you know the story of the woman at the well? Here's a lady that she, she meets Jesus at the well. Jesus is talking to her. She starts to witness to her. She asks a couple of spiritual questions. He goes, hey, do me a favor. Go get your husband. And she's like, oh, um, I don't have one of those. And he's like, I know, you had five. And now you're living with somebody. And she's like, uh, I think you're a prophet. You think? And you know what happened? She got saved. And you know what she did? I mean, she didn't go through a soul winning course. She had never been to church. And let me read it. John chapter 4, verse 39. She goes into the city, and it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. She had no clue, but she went and told everybody what happened. She was not ashamed. Are we ashamed to let people know who we are? Are we ashamed not to tell our friends about Christ? When I went to high school, and I, I, the word went is a very strong term, I, I, didn't, I only went to a couple, I went to the shop classes, metal shop, wood shop, print shop, I didn't go to the other ones, they were boring. And unfortunately for me, right across the street from the school and right next to the school were some of my friend. well, across the street, my friend lived there, so we'd just go hang out at his house during school. Next to him was this old hippie. He actually worked at the same place my mom worked, and we liked to, I'd go hang out at his house. He worked in the, the later shift. And um, my mom knew what we were doing at his house. She probably wouldn't have liked it, but she didn't. But I remember when I got saved, I'm like, I need to witness to that guy. And I told him, I said, hey, can I come by your house a certain time? I wanted to talk to you. And I remember sitting there and going to his house, and I was there for a couple hours and tried to witness to him and share the gospel with him. Many of my friends would contact me, you know, we're not cell phone days, kids. So it was, they're like, where have you been? What's going on with you? And like, I'm a Christian now. I remember two of them came by my house on a Friday night, and I was never home on Friday night. I was now. And they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, you, you really want to know? Now, I didn't do this all the time. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. It just so happened I did that night. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I was just in my back room looking at my Bible and, and checking out some things. And they gave me this look like, I had one friend, he was a really good friend, Dave, uh, uh, Robert, and um, Rebelly, Filipino guy. We, his house was across the street. We used, to have, we used to hang out there. And I said, you ought to come to church. And we go, oh, I tell you what, come by on Wednesday night. I'll feed you dinner and we'll go to church together. He's like, oh, all right, I'll go with you. And so I brought him by and uh, I, I, I told my mom, hey, he's coming over for dinner. And I set a plate for him and, and I was ignorant. You know, around his plate, I put a bunch of tracks. You know those ones with the pictures, the chick tracks, the, you know, this is your life, and, you know, people are falling into hell, and there's fire, and there's smoke coming out of the track, and I'm like, I put, like, one there, one there, one there, one there, and he comes in for dinner, I'm like, he's like, what are those? I'm like, read them before we serve dinner. He's like, what is this, a setup? Then he comes to church with me, and after service, I'm like, come with me, you know, David, come with me, and I brought him down to the front, hey, Dave, Dave. I didn't even know, you know, not, not brother, sis, and I called him Dave. Hey, Dave. Robert, he needs to get saved. Robert's like, okay. He took him to the back, talked to him for a while, and he got saved. I just wanted all my friends to know. I just, I wanted, and by the way, let's not lose that. Most of my friends now, they're in church. 
I don't have to witness to them. Although sometimes the way they live, I wonder. But I'm uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Was... But you know, are we interested in getting the gospel to somebody? By the way, if you're newer, you have a lot of friends out there. You have a lot of people that, that, that are, are open. They, they want to know what's going on in your life. I had a first love for serving, and I'm hurrying here. I'm sorry we're late. We don't typically go this way. The Bible makes it very clear as soon as we're saved, God wants us to, to serve him right away. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. In other words, God says, you, and those are the verses right after salvation, right after you're saved, I want you to do something. Serve me. He tells us it's our responsibility in Titus chapter 2 and verse 14, who gave himself from us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Some of you got that nailed. Zealous of good works. I mean, excited about serving him. Do you do anything for God? Those first six months I was in church, I just focused on growing. I sat in the service and I listened to the preaching and I'd go home and I'd study my Bible and I'd, I'd get books and I'd read them and I was just all into that. And after about six months, I remember Brother Black got up and he said, hey, some of you have been saved for a while and you're sitting around here and you're not doing anything. He goes, and I've been, he says, and I've been thinking for some of you that, you know, I'm waiting for the time for you to be ready. He goes, it's time. And I thought, I'm in. So I got in. I, I, I got on a bus route. Now, the first time I volunteered for the bus route, I thought, what was I doing? We didn't used to have bus limits. We had a 60-passenger bus, and there was 120 kids on it, and it was 100 degrees outside. I questioned my calling. I'm like, what, what? these people are nuts. But I fell in love with it. I just was riding. I was just going along for the ride on Sunday mornings, and next thing I know, the bus captain's like, can't do it anymore. I got to work. Here I am. I don't even know if they knew I was running the bus route or they might have been a little bit concerned. And I got on my motorcycle and I'd ride around to the kids' house and they want no helmets. They, hey, let's go for a ride on your motorcycle. I'm like, okay. And the parents are like clueless. Okay, you probably go to jail today for that kind of stuff. And I'm, run, I'm running a bus route. And then they, they used to go to the homes like we go on Saturday. And I went with them on Sunday afternoon. They're like, you can preach. And I got in. I told people, you're going to die. I mean, they live with the Grim Reaper. They knew. They must have looked at him like, that poor young kid, he is ignorant. I, whatever needed. I used to order uh, cassette tapes. You don't know what those are. Look them up. They're in a computer museum somewhere. And I would order them, and they were never ready. And I asked the guy, I said, how come the tapes are never ready? He goes, we don't have anybody to do it. I said, I'll do it. Pretty soon I had a key to the place. That on Sunday nights after church, we got to set up for Christian school. I'm like, I'll do it. Whatever they wanted, I wanted to jump in and be involved. And I'm not telling everybody to be involved with everything. But I just love serving him. I just wanted to do something. I had a love for growing. First Peter, first love for growing. First Peter, I'm getting to the end here. Bear with me. Chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, he says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Let me ask you, do you have a desire to grow in your faith? Do you have a desire to learn more about God, to grow closer to him? I realized early on that I, I had a lot of catching up to do. I didn't go to church. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I knew nothing. And I thought, I got to catch up. Got into my Bible. Never missed a church service. Started reading books. Listening to tapes. You name it, I did it. Why? Because I wanted to, I wanted to catch up. Are you growing? Look at never be satisfied where you are as a Christian. Desire to go stronger and deeper in your faith and everything that you do for him. Amen. And then I had a first love for changing 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away, all things are become new. Ephesians chapter 4, I won't read it, but it says we're supposed to take off concerning the faith. We, we put off the old man. That's the things we used to do. And we put on the new man. That's the things he wants us to do. I remember I just said, you know what? If I'm going to take this thing seriously, I have got to make some changes. Yep. Unfortunately, it started with my friends. I loved them, I brought them to church, but if they weren't going to serve God, I, I couldn't go do the things that they were doing because I wasn't going to do those things anymore. Yep. Uh, the things I, uh, my room, I had my, uh, my mom had a place uh, and in the back, it had like a separate entrance with a separate bathroom and a separate, I had my, my own little apartment. And, and you go in my room, it had stuff on the wall that shouldn't be on the wall. And I had to go in there one day and I'm like, you know what, this has all got to go. And I ripped it all off. My mom went back there and she could actually see the wall. And she's like, what is going on with you? My family started to notice. Like, there's something weird about this kid. I just had to make changes. I, I, I looked at things in my life that weren't right, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. Yep. And by the way, whenever God spoke to me, if I did something wrong, it bothered me. I was riding home from work on my motorcycle, and I was trying to serve God, and some guy over on the side of the road yelled at me, and so I did the Christian thing. I flipped him off. And as soon as I flipped them off, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I mean, yeah, it felt good in the moment, but still. And I'm like, I felt horrible. I'm like, that was the wrong thing to do. But God convicted me. So I don't do that anymore. I wave at him. All the fingers are up. Okay? But I just said, look, God, if this, if this has to go, it has to go. If this has to come, this has to come. And I was excited about it. I just wanted to do what he wanted me to do. Now, what's the message? And we're done. Have you, if you've been here for a while, have you lost your first love by leaving it? You see, he gives us a solution in verse 5. He says, remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent and do the first works. He tells us there's three things we need to do. We need to remember when we used to have it. Yep. We used to remember when we used to have it. Hey, don't lose that, right? You got to keep that love. Remember years ago, Brother Ross was, um, Brother Ross was, uh, uh, was engaged to Somali. And I don't know what was wrong with my car. I was at the old church, and I had to go somewhere. I said, Brother Ross, can I use your car? He's like, yeah. And I got this, he had this little cool cat car, you know, you had to kind of get to the ground to crawl in. And I got in his car, it was like a shrine to Somali. Like everywhere, pictures, he had a little piece of rice with her name on it. I don't know what that was all about, didn't ask. Everything was about Somali. And I sat there thinking, man, you know what I have in my car that has to do with, with my wife? Like nothing. So I think I like, this kid who's not even married is not going to love his fiance more than I love my wife. So I, I didn't get the rice, but I got a picture. Okay. We, we forget these things. God says, hey, remember that. Remember how, and look, if you've been a Christian and you, and, and you don't love God like you once were, you've slid a little bit, why don't you remember back to how it was when you were on fire for God? When you used to do some of these things I mentioned and you don't do anymore. Remember how good it was? And then he says, repent of what caused you to lose it. Repent. Stop it. Get back to doing what you are supposed to be doing. That's what he tells us. And do the first works. Redo it. Have you, left your, have you left your first love? Now, what about some of you that are newer? We have a lot of newer people. Can I just tell you this? 
Get the first love. What are we waiting for? By the way, Christianity doesn't work unless it's 100%. Let's go. Just jump in and say, I am all in. I'm not going to be half-hearted. I am going to love God with all my heart. How's your devotions? How's your relationship to church? How's your relationship to standing for Christ, serving him, witnessing, growing, and making the changes? I don't regret anything in my life. In fact, I'm thankful for where I am. I am thankful because God is gracious and God is faithful. And I want to love him. And I don't want to look back at my life back when I was a youngster and say I'm more excited about God. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have bumper stickers all over my car because I, I occasionally may cut somebody off on the freeway. Okay. But, 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 but I love him just as much. I'm still doing all these things that I did back then. It may not seem new to me. It may not seem fresh. But it's just as good as it ever was. Why don't you try it? I love that verse and we're done. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes just for a minute. We aren't typically go this long. We got a late start, so I apologize for that. But thank you for being patient, please. Thank you for that. Do you have first love for Christ? Do you, or have you never had that and you want to experience that? Just go for it. And if you've had it and you've lost it, go back to it. I don't want to look at my marriage and say, I don't love that woman as much as I did when we got married. I love her more today than I did back then. Yep. It's not, it's not the, the, you know, the whoop-dee-doo, stick your finger in a light socket thing. It's been 30, going on 38 years now. Got married when we were four. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what, I love her just as much today. If I love her more, to be honest with you. I have to work on it, by the way, or I lose that. How's your love for God? Why don't we have that first love forever? Now, maybe you're here this morning before we have our invitation. You can't have that first love if you're not related to him. And we're related to Christ through salvation. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Here's the question. If you were to die today, are you 100% for sure that you would go to heaven or do you have any doubt at all with nobody looking around would you say pastor that's me I'm not 100% for sure if I were to die today I'd go to heaven that's something I'd like to know would you pray for me with nobody looking around if you just raise your hand real quick till I see that and I'll pray for you anybody at all just put it up and then put it right back down anybody at all okay let's all stand together if we may how's your love for God today How's your love for the Lord? Have you lost it? Then why don't we find it? Why don't we go back to it? Have you never had it? I encourage you. Why don't you come and get it? Do you have it? Let's make sure we do everything we have can to keep it. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you at all, why don't you come? That's what this altar is for.